Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Broadcasting live from the ESPN 690 and Ajar Levine Studios. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 with Brent Martineau and Austin Lane. Hey, welcome back. First and 10 training camp tonight on the TV side. We'll have more on the Jags uh, team coverage coming up from the first padded practice. So you can watch it uh, tonight, 11-15 on CBS 47 and Fox 30. Make sure you check that out. Weeknights for the next few weeks. How about we should be playing a preseason game this week? We should be normally having a uh, high school football like week one. Crazy times. Uh, yeah, I have like these Facebook memories and it's all like in Minnesota, in New England, uh, you know, get ready for that first preseason game or Baltimore or whatever else. So it's a different year, different calendar. Uh, but like I said before the break, we are going to run some classic games on CBS 47 and Fox 30, and that should be a lot of fun. Already getting a lot of good feedback about it. Uh, my only que- my only request is to be patient and check back on the dates and times and which games they are because it looks like it's a bit more fluid uh, than we expected. There are some changes being made, but we are going to have them, uh, which is good news. Uh, it looks like on at least the next three Friday nights, um, and and then there's a fourth to be determined uh, on the date is the latest update that I've gotten. Brent Martineau, Austin Lane Coos. Uh, last week, we were talking about Florida State. We do FSU at four around here. And uh, the Knowles, obviously, uh, will be on ESPN 690 with football and basketball uh, coming up as uh, we are your station for the Seminoles football and hoops here in Jacksonville on ESPN 690. But last week, we talked about the problems Mike Norvell was have, having. We kind of sided, I, I think if we took a side, we somewhat sided with Norvell because we didn't get any specifics from the players on what was going on. Well, they've mended fences again. Yeah. What's your take on now Florida State, now that, uh, you know, when we talked about this on Friday, I think it was Norvell basically said – the Marvin Wilson situation, he apologized instantaneous. He's like, hey, I, I could have handled that better. I, I should have. I'm a, I'm sorry. We're going to work this out. This situation, he did not. Mm-hmm. He's stuck in the sand on this one. And he was like, hey, we're we're doing things right. Yeah. Well, here we are a couple of days later. Now they've talked. And it looks like things are OK again. And it doesn't feel like right now this is going to linger anymore. I mean, I can't imagine you can do this every few months and things are going no. to be all right. No, you can't. But do you think it's a, a big, as big of a roadblock as it might have appeared to be last week? I, I mean, has anything changed my opinion about how I feel about Norvell right now in terms of how he's building this program? Absolutely not. Because I will say what I said last week. I don't care... If we're talking about your parenting skills, if we're talking about a marriage, if we're talking about a work relationship with some of your coworkers, communication is key, especially in the realms of college football and especially when you're trying to build up a new program. And 
once again, we don't have all the details, and I agree with you. I think we sided with Mike Norvell just because the other side, you know, exhibit A, B, C, D, we had nothing to work with, man. All right? All we had was some kind of very vague, um, you know, tweet, and that's all we had to go off of. So, yeah, I think Norvell, I probably sided with him more than the player. But once again, the fact that it got to that point and the fact that it got brought up to, uh, on the Twitter airwaves or the Twitter sphere, it, it echoes a lot of things, Brent, because once again, it's it's a lack of miscommunication. I don't care who's wrong or right. I just care that people are on the same page. And hopefully right now, this is the last time we have to talk about a head coach and one of his players not being on the same page. <laughs> yeah, I kind I mean, you go and do this so much. But well, yeah, I, what do you <laughs> Yeah, exactly. But I do wonder once again, I think once you do resolve these things, and is it just the frustration of what's going on? Is it we don't like some of the things about it? We have a voice now. Listen, the student-athlete voice has never been so prevalent. Sure. And sometimes when you have that and you feel like you have that, you don't channel that the right way. Sure. Like that could have been what happened. It's kind of what sounds like did maybe happen. And. We're at an interesting crossroads with that kind of stuff. You know, if you're not Nick Saban, if you're, I mean, I don't even know if Dabble Swinney's safe. If, I mean, well, heck, he, if you're not Nick Saban, yeah, Swin, uh, Swin, Swinney wasn't for the, the things that he was, you know, the, the, he had the shirt on, the, the yes. OAN shirt. But that was more outsiders. I'm talking that wasn't internally. Football. I mean, you know, it was football related because he's the coach, but it wasn't football related as in terms of how he's handling his players. Yeah. It was related to the fact that he was wearing a T-shirt that maybe some people had a problem with. And, and he got called out by former players yep. too, as well. So, I guess my point in this, outside of Saban, because Saban, Saban, is any coach safe from a player pretty much telling you how they feel on social media or anywhere else? Because there's a there's a level of empowerment that maybe didn't exist before. It used to be a level of fear. I don't, oh, without I think, a doubt. I think that fear line is just washed away, man. I mean, it's not there anymore. There's probably some that still fear that. I don't yeah. want to go run sprints. I don't want to get my scholarship taken away. I don't want to end up in the doghouse. Sure. But I'm telling you, it's almost being embraced to come out and talk and say on all different things, and some of them are very important. But it's almost like, hey, if you got some laundry, air it out right here. Listen, Brent, it's simple. Whether it's college football or the modern-day NFL, the game has gone from a dictatorship to a democracy. All right. Not saying it's right or wrong. I'm just saying that's the way it is now. So with that being said, with Nick Saban, listen, I, I've never talked to Nick Saban. I've never met Nick Saban, but I have a pretty good idea of the type of you know camp that Nick Saban runs. I have a pretty a good idea of what I see in the sidelines, what type of coach Nick Saban is. You hardly ever hear his current college football players speak out against him, especially on Twitter. Right, I mean, I know him and Ronnie Harrison had had a little yeah, beef, but that after. was after. Yep. Okay, so you hardly ever see it during, you know, the the, the their, their tenure, let's just say, uh, in the college football program. Well, that's set up by design because he knows how to establish that culture, and he knows how to run the program. Now, with Dabble Sweeney, once again. Yes, players called him out, but I don't think it was necessarily for his coaching. I don't think it was necessarily for, you know, how he handled some of his athletes. It was for a shirt that he was wearing, I think, on a fishing trip, right? So that's a different kind of thing as well. So to me, if you come in, you establish the culture, and you get the guys to believe, to buy in and believe in you, well, then you're all good to go. When you don't do that, though, when you have players going on Twitter and you kind of lose control of the team because, once again, is it, it is a democracy – 
Well, then that falls on the coach, and it falls on the coach first and foremost. Now, I get it, man. Players these days, they're they're a different breed, Brent. We talk about it all the time, right? And and people want to call them soft. I'm not going to do that. You know how I feel about that kind of verbiage. But players are definitely different, and they're more self-aware. But it's the coach's job, then, to try to adapt to his, quote-unquote, employees and make sure that he gets their best out of them. Simple as that. Yeah, uh, we'll see. I mean, it's a it's a – tenuous time to be a coach because it's like you felt like you had this kind of the old what stay, happens in the locker room stays in the locker room thing is it's yeah. not true uh well i'm just yeah it's I'm, not true it's, anymore. it's not true anymore it's not and happening you know what and i'm thankful that i grew up in the generation that i didn't i played football when i did because this generation right now and you know me being outspoken and always speak my mind <laughs> i probably would have lasted maybe a year in college and maybe Two, two training camp practices in the NFL, and then I would have been gone. They, they, they would have sent me packing home, and I would probably be, uh, who knows what I'd be doing right now. I wouldn't be on the show, though. Hey, the other uh, thing that's happening in uh, uh, Tallahassee is Florida State wants to play that 11th game on their schedule. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had initially had Samford set to play. Scared of the hatch attack. They had it back out, Brent. Scared <laughs> of that hatch attack. Murray State uh, alum. What's up, Coach Hatch? Uh, Seminole said uh, this morning on social media, we are committed to playing an 11-game schedule and anticipate naming our non-conference opponent in the coming days. Uh, here's the deal. The Southern Conference, that's where Samford belongs. Uh, that's where they play. Yep. Uh, they uh, canceled conference mm-hmm. play on Thursday. So, uh, And it must be, I, I think, at least the article I'm looking at with the Samford game, they left the door open at the time uh, to have to play some non-conference stuff, but it looks like they've decided not to and, and it won't happen, which makes sense. I mean, if you're not going to play conference games... To schedule a bunch of non-conference games now doesn't seem to make a lot of sense. I mean, well, especially against, let's be honest, no offense to Coach Hatch here, but a cupcake team as well. Well, uh, for for Florida, I mean, well, yeah, well, yeah. not a cupcake for Florida, for Sanford. I mean, but it would no, be yeah, more of I'm a game, money game. Yeah. yeah, money game. Well, which maybe is why you try to keep it in that sense. Oh, I guess if you're Florida State, yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, Florida State from a, a, well, you fill out that 11th game, but from Sanford's perception, perspective you're getting paid to play them true no, you know? no and Sanford almost beat them last year they, they did I, I th- obviously I think Sanford needs that game a lot more than Florida State yes, needs that yes. game I mean yeah it begs the question especially with this era and this landscape right now how much does if you're Florida State playing Sanford really benefit you in this environment yeah so they're gonna it looks like they're gonna try to fill that gap uh in the schedule which I think would come on the 19th of September uh so we'll just see what happens. just so we're clear and I'm sure fans out there are wondering there's no chance that we see the Florida, Florida State still, right? I mean, it's, just, it's not going to happen. Uh, for, uh, SEC won't allow SEC it. SEC won't allow it. Yeah, yeah that's a big thing. Uh, so anyway, the SEC did announce their opening games. They're going to announce the rest of the schedule tonight. And there's a lot of – this is intriguing. I don't think that Florida-Georgia game is going to move hmm. from late October, January else. I don't see why it would move. It's always been there. They're playing. The city's ready for it. Then the NFL schedule actually is somewhat built around that. And the NFL schedule hasn't moved at all. Uh, I say the NFL schedule, but the Jags NFL schedule is somewhat built around that weekend. So I can't imagine it moving. Uh, I've seen some people curious whether it will. I don't think it will. Uh, but that will be something to watch tonight when Florida's and, and Georgia's schedule uh, comes out. But they did announce the opening week games. Mississippi State at LSU. Uh, Alabama at Missouri, Georgia at Arkansas, Tennessee, South Carolina, Vanderbilt, Texas A&M, Kentucky at Auburn, Florida at Ole Miss. Quite frankly, uh, yeah, the value of games there in terms uh, not really great. Uh, well, and can we set an edible arrangement to Missouri? Because you see that schedule yes. they got to play, man. It's unbelievable. Hey, 
our condolences go out to the Missouri Tigers this year in the SEC. Well, did you see the report where the SEC coaches were really not happy? They got yeah. into it on yeah. the conference call, and a lot that. of it was like, okay, you looks like you guys took care of Georgia, Florida, Alabama, yep. because those are the teams that have the best chance to maybe do something on the national scene, and you hammered Arkansas, Missouri, and, and others yep. because they don't have much of a chance. Yep. And so now they got to play this murderer's row of a schedule, yeah. and they weren't happy about it. They said, I wouldn't like, have been nah, either. pretty wild. Yeah. Uh, and, well, and you know how it is. Like, well, it's SEC. Every opponent's tough. Well, Not really. yeah, but let's be honest here. There's there's levels to this game right now. Unfortunately, Missouri and Arkansas, man, they're uh they're at that boss level. Let's just say. Interesting thing about uh, Florida at Ole Miss is, of course, that will be the uh, debut for Lane Kiffin, uh, who's now the coach uh, over there. Who well, I think Oxford. I have been more successful than your dude at Mississippi State. Ring the bell, by the way. Yes, and Mike, Mike Leach. Leach. So yeah. I'll, I'll be watching very closely those games, Brett. Of course. Uh, we have many a bets. You have many a bets. could happen. Uh, like, I still, I was thinking of this the other day, because you cash in on, what did you just cash in on? What bet? Uh, it wasn't really a bet. It was one, one of my predictions. Your predictions, with, yeah. Well, shorts. It was, it was a shorts thing. Oh, the shorts thing. And also, the, 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 the fullback thing is still alive, because now we're bringing back guys from like five years ago <laughs> off the streets out of nowhere to come play fullback. Yeah. Yeah. And Bruce Miller signed Bruce uh, Miller. by the Jags. Yeah. Which is an interesting pickup on a lot of different levels yeah uh so i'll get into more of his story down the road mm-hmm. uh, maybe uh, i'll tell you this the least interesting part of his story is that he's the all-time sack leader at ucf which is crazy and he plays <laughs> yeah, fullback no, in it but that's fullback. the least maybe that's, interesting part of his story yeah yeah guy's been through a lot let's just say uh yeah. yes um uh, but speaking of bets i was like oh i wonder with the agent situation with jan if I get a chance to cash in on one of my predictions, which is him in camp be before Labor Day. Oh, that was. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. Yeah. I said before Labor Day because a lot of people anticipate like that weekend or whatever. But yeah. I, I've got to hit. Well, I got to hit before that weekend. You do. Uh, so. But, you know, but hey, on, if you're listening, just take your time, man. You know, hey, wh- where's the fire? Take your time. Make sure your mentals are right. Make sure your body's right and come back when you feel like it. Don't listen to your agent. All right, it's the Yan show. It ain't the agent show. I've got a question for you. Yeah, if you're and you know how agents work. Sure. I, I thought of this yesterday. If I'm Yan, mm-hmm. I would would I even hire an agent right now? I've got a tag that I could sign for seventeen point eight million. Why would I want the agent to have any part of that? So here's the thing. When okay, well, what does Yannick Ngakwe want right now? Once we traded and a Correct. New deal. Correct. So how do you go about getting traded? Obviously, it falls on the team to try to shop your name out there, but also the agent can do that as well. This is why you see a lot of guys sometimes when they want that new contract, when they want to be traded, they drop their current agent and they go to Rosenhaus. For whatever reason, Rosenhaus has a Rolodex of every single NFL scout, every single NFL GM in the league. And... There's a lot, and once again, I'm not sure if this is true or not, but I've talked to some players about this. There's a, there's a school of thought that thinks that Drew Rosenhaus, when you sign with him, there's a better opportunity to get traded and go where you want to because of his connections as opposed to maybe being with a smaller agency. Interesting. So if Yannick Ngakwe was to sign with a bigger agency, I can see him doing it as soon as possible because then maybe that agent can get their feelers out there a little bit, see where teams are at, and maybe try to work a trade themselves. Once again, this is just what I've I've talked to players about this before. I'm not going to name any names, but this is what I've heard about guys like Drew Rosenhaus. Yeah, oh, I get I get it I yeah. get it. So that's just but okay. Let's say let's say Jan 
it's like, all right, they've, they're not trading me. Like I've, I want to go. I've been trying to get out of here for eight months. Mm-hmm. They're not trading me from a dollar stand. Like if, if they did, hire, if he hires Rosenhaus, right? Yeah. Just, uh, again, would you choose that as an example? Mm-hmm. And cause I don't know how this part works. I really don't. But if he hires an agent and, uh, or no, let's just say, yeah, he hires Rosenhaus mm-hmm. and he signs a tag because they can't move him. Mm-hmm. But he signs that because that's the first thing the agent is going to do is say, sign the tag, mm-hmm. $17.8 million. We'll figure out the rest after, right? Yeah. We're, we're kind of convinced that's what the agent is going to do. And But does the agent get a cut of that? So say, say that scenario one more time. You, so the if, agent, he hires Rosenhaus. Rosenhaus, first thing he says is sign the tag. Yeah. And then we'll worry about moving you. We're going to try to move you. So but does, tag, does Rosenhaus get part of the 17.8? Why wouldn't he? I mean that's that's part of your annual salary. Okay, so that this is what my point is. Yeah. If I'm Jan, yeah, I would say, well, I'm gonna sign the tag, and there's a really good chance I'm not getting traded. I haven't been traded. Oh so, no, okay, I, I'm I'm gonna sign my 17 no, points. Okay, I'm sorry, I was a little confused. No, you can't do that because here's why, Brent. So you know how it works in the NFL. If Yannick Ngakwe signs his franchise tag, what is that? That's 18 something million dollars. But keep in mind, he doesn't get the 18 million dollars all up front. Where does he get it? He gets it after he plays the game. Right, so mm-hmm. theoretically, Yannick Ngakwe would have to go the whole season without an agent for him to keep that money. If he signs an agent before the season starts, regardless, if he signs a franchise tag, however much money Yannick Ngakwe is making, that agent would get a percentage of that paycheck every single week. I got you. Yeah. Uh, and now, the from an agent perspective, mm-hmm. would you say, hey, listen, that was yours before I was here. I don't need as high a percentage or whatever. But when, but I'm here to work out that new deal, where it's, that's where I'm gonna really get paid. Yeah. So I you, mean, do you, I mean, does, does that work in that? Or they're no, like, no, give me no, my damn no, money. No, no, listen. <laughs> yeah, I mean, listen. Show I'm me not, the money. I'm not sure if you've seen Jerry Maguire before, <laughs> but it's pretty much like a documentary, if you will. Um, but couldn't that be a selling point? If, if I listen, if I'm an agent right now, say there's ten agents, yeah. and you know Jan, who's up for a new deal, probably a deal that's gonna be, let's just say it at the very least, is gonna be worth eighty million. I want that client. Sure. So would I say, hey man, don't I'll take a smaller percentage right here or a, a cut? Well, yeah. So, the, so there's always arguments of like what kind of percentage an agent can get, right? Especially for like your 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 first year contract. So if you want to count that franchise tag as still quote unquote part of that first year contract, well then yes, an agent can say, you know what, man, I'm not going to take my usual standard fee here. Let's go ahead and drop it down a little bit. Sounds good. And then on that second contract, I'm going back to my base fee. And then sometimes they can agree on that part. I'm not sure how often that really happens or not, but that, that, that's kind of what uh, could happen. But once again, just keep in mind, that franchise tag, when Yannick Ngakwe signs it, he doesn't see that money until the season starts yeah. and then after every single game. So if he's with an agent, man, and that agent's out there you know, trying to ship him off and trying to call teams, things like that, the agent's still doing the job. So I have a hard time saying, well, you know what? L- let me just uh, go and do this pro bono, if you will. <laughs> yeah. A la Dr. Quinn Medicine Woman. You remember that show? She was yes. doing pro bono all the time. I said, there's a pull for you. you. Um, that's not how it works in the NFL. There, there, there's no pro bono usually. Usually, you got to pay for something. What's the standard rate for an agent? Oh, dude, I can't remember. I want to say 5%. I think, I think it's 5%. Okay. So I think some do 4 but I want to say it's 5 Let's just, I'm going to do some quick math for you, okay? If he does play all the games and he gets seven, $17.8 million, Yeah. his agent's going to get... Almost a million, eight hundred ninety thousand. Yeah, use it's not bad. Yeah, not a little bad deal to walk into in the middle of August. Listen, dude, and none, and the old agent doesn't get any of that. He, he's not on the hook for anything. 
The old agent? I mean, yeah. No, not because no, he fired. Because, no, he, he's fired, and obviously he was fired before he started that season, and he got his paycheck, so the old agent doesn't get anything. So usually, yeah, I looked it up. It's between 3 and 10%. Yeah, it could go anyway. Yeah. Okay. But well, here's – okay, I got one more scenario. Hit me with it. Say the old agent was the one driving everything out of town, driving them out of town, drive, sure. trying to get them out of town. Mm-hmm. Now that there's been some conversations, Jan's like, you know what? I'm going to sign my tag, uh-huh. and then I might even see how this goes and work out an extension here. Uh-huh. Okay, let's just say. Because if you're going to do the trade thing, you want an agent because the tra- he can help oh, navigate the trade. He, he don't facilitate that but for sure. But my point in this is why don't more players try to do their own deals? I think Bobby Wagner did his deal recently, right, and yeah. it was a good deal. But you have the parameters in place, don't you? I mean, we know like where the deal's supposed to fall yeah. somewhere in there, and, well, and then you don't have to give them that cut. See, here's the problem, though. Yeah, if you're at Ngaco, you'd be like, you know what? I want to be in Jacksonville. Let's go ahead and get this contract. Let's say $18 million a year. Let's play. All right? And maybe they agree to it, and that's all good. But where, where you get the agent, where the agent is important, it's that fine print stuff. It's the incentives. It's the bonuses. It's those escalator type of deals where it's like, hey, yeah. if, if I get a Pro Bowl, I get extra so amount of money because that's why agents are so crucial because they do these deals every single day. They've they've seen the ins and outs of contracts. NFL players haven't. NFL players, I would be like, all right, where do I sign? All right, cool, ten million dollars. Yep, sweet. Check account, good, done. Let's go, let's go buy a new car. Wire that money. Let's get some 26-inch rims and bread recommend the Arby's <laughs> drive through on Southside parking lot. Like an agent. agent didn't say that. Agent didn't say anything like that. So let's go do that. It's not the player's job to know exactly what goes into the contract. It's the player's job to know how much money he's making. Okay? Yeah, that's, yeah. That's, that's the way it is. So the agent's job is to kind of fine print those details, though those escalators, those incentives, things like that. Now, a player can do that. But then the player has to go all around the league, and he's got to see so-and-so contracts. What is he getting? What is he getting? What are, what are his bonuses like? It's a lot of work, and obviously you'd rather have to pay somebody for it to spend their energy on it than do it yourself. Yeah, I, I just I wonder, and you wonder, like, I think it was, uh, I mean, several players have had bad experiences, mm-hmm. and you don't know, I mean, Jan's might have been a fine experience in most part, and just hit a snag, and, and here we are. But if you just, there's got to be a trust level there. That right, yeah. and and now that he, you wonder where his trust level is with anybody, given the last year uh, of what happened and has transpired, uh, so it, it's pretty interesting um, from from that respect. And that's why I thought about. It. I'm like, yeah, you really wonder, don't you wonder right now where Jan's mind is at because of the firing of the agent or the, yeah. the splitting of the agent? Uh, you really wonder. It looked like they were lockstep on here's what we want we're getting out of here man mm-hmm. uh, and find me a way out of here we're gonna do whatever we can we're gonna draw this line in the sand and we're gonna do all this we're gonna try this we're gonna try that we're gonna... well now you kind of wonder okay well what went wrong why now and where's his mind at if he's already had conversations with the Jags since the agent and him split mm-hmm. uh, and you have to assume the communication lines are starting to open a little bit so it's a really hard gauge, um, and I'm actually starting to like my prediction of him getting in before Labor Day more than I did two weeks ago. <laughs> no, I mean, listen, and, and uh, as I would as well, um, I think if you are the agent, like I said, the agent's job is to make money. It's not to be your friend, okay? And to make your prediction right, I think the wise would be, like, all right, Jan, listen, I know you want to get out of Jacksonville. Sounds great. You have $17, $18 million on the table with this franchise tag, but also keep in mind, you know, if you want to get a chunk of this money, if you want to sign 
we probably need you to get the training camp a little earlier because, right, this this is a new year and guys are already getting hurt, right? And the last thing I want to see happen in, quote-unquote, a, a contract year for Yannick Ngakwe is to knock on wood, get a, get a, an injury. That's the last thing you want for him to happen. So how do you do that? How do you prevent that? You get to camp a little earlier. You get acclimated. Go at your own pace. Don't go crazy. Go at your own pace. We get acclimated. So by the time week one, Phil Rivers comes to town, you're ready to roll. I got one more thing on this because I'm starting to think about it. From yeah. Jan, I always think about it from Jan's perspective. Why don't players, or maybe he did, we don't know, uh, but why wouldn't Jan lean on somebody more like Calais in these kind of situations, or other players? I mean, it might be Patrick Peterson. It might, I don't know, it might be Von Miller. Mm-hmm. Uh, might be whoever. Mm-hmm. But, it, I mean, Calais was right here. But if you wanted to go sit down and have lunch with Calais or go do a FaceTime call with Calais right now and ask him about this, we all have those people. I mean, listen, the money in every bit, money in our business, it's like nobody wants to tell you what they're making. Like you have no idea. As yeah. you're growing up in our business, I'm talking TV, radio kind of business, nobody, you have, it's not out for the public to see. Uh, you have no idea if this guy makes 25000 or 100000 You have no idea as like a, a young pup coming out of college, like I wonder what I could make someday. They just offer you something and you take it because yeah. it's a job. But there's always those people as you go along where you can then lean on, be like, hey, is this kind of fair? Do you think this is ballpark right or whatever? Why, why don't players do that a little bit See, more, especially with a guy like Calais? I think Calais because Calais just appears like – I mean, Calais could be Jan's agent. Yeah. You know, it's funny that you bring that up because I remember my experiences – because, listen, every, every locker room is going to deal with somebody who's going through a new contract, just the way it is in the NFL. But I remember, like, I don't want to call those conversations taboo, but those conversations just never really occurred. Like, you, you obviously wanted your teammates to make as much money as possible. And uh, and when they did and you supported them, like when Josh Scobie signed his new thing and you got that Aston Martin, we were playing Aston Martin music by, by Rick Ross. <laughs> like, it was a celebration. You know what I'm saying? Congratulations, you're a kicker. You're driving an Aston Martin. So much swag on Josh Scobie. So, like, you're obviously excited for him. But like you don't really discuss those kind of details, yeah. and, and I, I don't know why. I mean, it's just it's just the way it is. Now maybe it's different now. I have no idea. But to me, those conversations came from your agent, right? And like those conversations came from different agents and things like that. They didn't come from the inner workings of a locker room, which, when you think about it, doesn't really make a lot of sense. Now, once again, maybe that has changed um, since I played football. But I'm just saying, when I was in the locker room, we didn't really talk about like. You know, the, the new contracts and things like that. Yeah, and I think the interesting part here is there's got to be an age separation. There's got to be a – because you're not going to talk about with your peers like what – like I'm talking about your your guy, you're older or younger. That yeah. can create animosity and things like that. But you think a guy like Calais who's made a bunch of money and doesn't care if Jan's making $30 million, yeah. you know, a year and probably well, wants him to. He wants him to, yeah. Right? How could he not? So – He's not going to be jealous of whatever he signs. He's not going to do anything like that. But you could really lean on. Heck, in the NFL and professional sports, they all, as athletes, you guys have these vehicles to be a, hey, here's how to spend your money. Here's what not to do. But it doesn't seem like there's the communication as much as how much should I get? What's a fair deal? What would it look like? I don't know. This, it seems like some players could help other players more in that regard. They, they could definitely help each other out. But at the end of the day, Brent, you know, it's the ego is a heck of a thing, right? Yeah. And, and and when you're in line for a new contract, you're always going to think that you should be making more than what maybe what your teammates think. That, yeah. So that's just the bottom that's line. True. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, your so, business is your business. There's, yeah. there's that train of thought, too, as yeah. we talk out loud about it. Um, I, I, I understand that. Uh, speaking of Calais Campbell, uh, a thought or two on that, how it's it's almost idiotic to now say, 
did the Jags make a mistake trading Calais Campbell? Hindsight's twenty twenty, obviously. But we actually almost had this conversation on Friday, and we didn't. Mm-hmm. I almost asked you that on Friday, and that was prior to what we knew about Gunter. Mm-hmm. Did the Jags make a mistake trading away Calais Campbell at this point? I mean, it's hindsight is absolutely is the answer. Right? Well, listen, I was so adamant about this the day that he got traded. I remember I called him the show. I was heading home back to Wisconsin. Calais Campbell gets traded. I called him the show, and I said it was a mistake. Because I understand Clayus Campbell um, commanded a lot of money. I forgot what the overall uh, price tag would have been to keep him on the team. About no, 15 mil. But, 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 I, but I remember saying this. I'm like, you're not only paying for Clayus Campbell and his on-the-field production, which is still high, but you're paying for that leadership on the field and off the field as well because he shows you how to be a true professional. And if you remember the whole Gus Bradley era where they had a problem was they had way too many young guys and no one to bridge the young guys to how it's supposed to go down. Calais Campbell was that bridge and you let him go for a fifth round pick essentially. You know how I felt about that. Yeah, a little bit more on that. First padded practice today. Justin Fields' petition. Is it going to get anywhere? And the NBA playoffs are underway. We've got our first winner of the 2020 playoffs. Playoffs are happening. Nuggets uh, minus five was really stressful there. Well, so much for the tease. <laughs> so much for degenerate gambling. I mean, so everybody was waiting to hear from us if Utah or Denver won, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thanks, Goose. So we'll they've no they, they, they been covering the spread? Oh, yeah. And then the overhead, too, right? Yeah, they won in overtime by there 10. There it is. Yeah, by 10. It was a little... <laughs> and did Don Mitchell have over 29, 29.5 yes, points? Yes, he had 31 at one time. Oh, there you go. That's what we call a <laughs> Dinner on Austin. We'll be back on ESPN 690. Brent Martineau. Never heard of what happened in Iowa yesterday, and I don't even know how to pronounce the name of it. Derecho. Austin Lane. Iowa State Cyclones. You should call them the Derechos. You can shorten it up, call them the Chos. Why not, man? I'm into it. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. I mean, I can't control, you know, anybody's health or anything. We just got to keep going. And hopefully the guys that, you know, that are behind those guys, the guys that we have here now, just have to, you know, play a bigger, bigger step in this role. And the guys that we bring in to replace those guys, just we have to hold them to a higher standard and hold they got to hold themselves to a higher standard. So right now we're just looking just to, you know, keep playing, keep our heads up high and just do what we can for right now because we can't control if somebody's health reasons or somebody's just not here. We can't really help that. So I'm going to do what I need to do. Abe's going to do what he needs. Taven, Smoot, all them guys going to do what they need to do. And we're just going to have the ball. That is Josh Allen. I'm telling you, every time he talks, you can't help but like him a little more. Yeah. He, and Kuz probably play a little some of it later, uh, maybe find the Fournette bite, because it's really interesting to hear Josh Allen. If you just, again, I kind of like the way the Zooms are set up, because I feel like I'm listening in its entirety instead of, like, at 15 to 20 second clips of just answering the same question. Like, I mean, you listen it that way, but you also consume it kind of differently. Mm-hmm. And I there's and I come away with things. And so I'm listening to Josh Allen. It's not like I've never heard him before. We've interviewed him plenty of times. We know he's 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 taken on a leadership role. He's staying after with Caleb on Chase. We think he's gonna be a fantastic player for a long, long time. Coming off a great rookie year. We know all these things. But it's almost like like he was asked about Leonard, he was asked about Calevon, he was asked about these different guys, and it's like he's taken it upon himself to be their cheerleader. And almost like their marketing person, almost their 
I, seriously, it, it's uh, it, it was interesting to hear him talk about like each guy. Uh, I think you might have mentioned Taven in there, some others too. But that's what I came away with. I'm like, my goodness, like he is, whether he's really trying to do this or not, he might just be naturally like it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you, you really could tell in the Leonard situation. He talked about Leonard. He says he talks to Leonard all the time about football, about family, about all these other things. Uh, he's like, Leonard is not how he's being perceived. And yeah. he's also saying, I think Leonard's like one of the best backs in the game. Now, that's a common thing. When you play with teammates and you see them on the practice field every day, and that's kind of what you have to go off, especially this time of year, Mm -hmm. you rave about the guys that you're seeing, right? So Leonard could look really good. I don't know if most people would say he's he's like top five back in the league. Sure. If he watched Alvin Kamara play or if he watched Gurley play or if he watched how these other guys play, he might notice, okay, there is a little different level. I don't know. but just the way he does, I mean, there's nobody that kind of needs a public hug from a teammate more than <laughs> Leonard Fournette. <laughs> yeah, you're right. You're you know, all, no, you're you're absolutely right. Doug Marone today, but yeah, just because yeah, <laughs> he needs a hug. Yeah, for sure. But you get my point. And Josh Allen, without really being prompted to do so like that, he kind of did it. Is it safe to say right now that one of the safest options of buying a Jaguars jersey, if you want to, is getting a Josh Allen one? Because you, you know right now how the Jaguars jerseys are. You got you buy the guy and he's gone in two years. He gets traded away, whatever he wants out. Is is Josh Allen the safest pick right now for Jaguars fans out there to get a, a, a quality player's jersey? Probably, yeah. Okay, there you go. Um, with Leonard Fournette, yeah. Listen, Leonard Fournette, I think, is really misunderstood now. You know, we've had guests on this show that that have spoken out against Leonard Fournette. Leonard Fournette is obviously countered back on Twitter. And, hey, thanks for upping our views up, by the way, by doing that. (laughs) Big time. time. (laughs) Um, All I have to go off of is what I hear from, you know, his peers and what I see on the field and what I see at practice and sometimes if I'm in the locker room. All right. And Leonard Leonard Fournette, to me, has never really incline the fact that he's ever been a bad teammate. Now, yes, there was an incident in Houston a couple years back where he was sitting on the sidelines. I think that was more a frustration from the front office. I don't think he really quit, quote-unquote, on his teammates there. There was a time in Buffalo when he threw that punch. To me, if I'm a teammate, I appreciate that. Okay, I celebrate that. You may not want to hear that, but that teammates celebrate that kind of thing. So to me, and, and you saw frustration last year in that John DiFilippo offense, especially in the red zone, when you know we're, we're getting these these stretch run plays and they're going for minus two, minus three yards a pop, and he comes off the field and he's throwing his helmet and he's upset. Okay, I think you just got a guy, Brent, that wants to be successful. That it's still maybe a, a child at heart at the same time, but that wants to be successful. Okay, and. We talked about it before, going forward now in a contract year, not necessarily for the contract for the Jacksonville Jaguars, but a contract someplace else, I think it's going to be a big year for him. And I think we saw last year a little bit that he's taken the strides, that he's taken the responsibility of cutting some of those, you know, maybe the the, the bad people out of his life, and he's focusing on football. So we can only assume right now that he'll take another step again going forward. I'm just surprised. And keep in mind where that's coming from right now, right? He wants to have a big year. But essentially, he's trying to have a big year for a team who was rumored to want to trade him during the draft. Okay? For a team that wanted to ship him off and say, hey, thanks for your services. We're going to go someplace else. So that's kind of an, an awkward thing, too. Yeah, I kind of feel like 
Yeah, it's funny. We're switching. We're talking Josh Allen. I want to uh, yeah. mention Calais Campbell too. One more moment, but now on to Leonard Fournette, and it's a lot like the Cam Robinson discussion we had last week, where he's kind of criticized and maligned for the what the first three years have been like. Yeah. But I think you could turn it around and give him praise for playing through and being ready and toughing it out and 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 going to battle for his guys, even though he wasn't ready to do that last year. Mm-hmm. Instead, you get criticism for making the effort because you probably weren't as good as you could have been. Yeah. But the alternative was, okay, don't go play until eight weeks in, mm-hmm. and then I'll be ready. So it's a little bit like that conversation now with Leonard. I remembered sitting down with Leonard Fournette before last season. And we're in the locker room. I got a picture right now. We did a story. It was like a preseason story. And part of the story I framed the the theme to be was how misunderstood he is, hmm. you know, because it was around a lot of what he does for the kids and the and the fans and sends which, them cleats. You, and you've seen that. I mean, that's, all that's fantastic. Yeah. Well, isn't it kind of like a year later, we're still talking about Leonard Fournette might be misunderstood <laughs> yeah. a year later. Mm-hmm. Uh, and again, you know, when we had that conversation, I was even a little taken back. Uh, Mark Long brought up some specifics on it. And I, again, we hear different things. We cover the team in different ways. And I hadn't heard as much of that stuff. Um, but the bottom line is they did try to trade him. Correct. I mean, yeah. that, that, you can't sweep that under the rug. They tried to trade him for a reason. That's facts. So it's a, he is, uh, I, we had this conversation. We've had these conversations. Leonard Fournette, to me, is one of the most interesting characters, players this franchise has ever had, mm-hmm. in my opinion. It really is. Mm-hmm. Uh, but to the point of all of that, and fast forward to right now, in the present, I think you got to give the guy credit for getting these kind of reviews from his teammates. Good reviews, at least in front of a microphone, from coaches and, and other players. And also, if all that was going on, team tried to trade me. Not sure if they want to utilize me the way uh, they have in the past. Bad rap from everyone else. Uh, COVID-19. This would be a great time to complain and moan and be a distraction. I don't think people realize this, how big of a deal it is when a team tries to trade you away. Absolutely. And, and once again, we don't know what exactly it was for, but from what I've it heard, was it wasn't a lot. It tried to trade away. Yeah, but I mean, for what, though? You know, it, yeah. it's like a first-round pick, although I can see that, obviously, for Fournette, but it wasn't that. It was didn't, like didn't it, it was a low-round pick from what I heard. So with that being said, I don't think people understand how hard it is then to in turn come back to your job after they show their hand and say, you know what, we don't really want you here, but we couldn't give you away. So all right, well, welcome back. That's a hard situation to be in if you're Leonard Fournette. Yeah, it's it's amazing. again, we're going to talk Josh Allen and, yeah. and Calais Campbell a bit, but we got on Leonard Fournette. Just got me thinking. I mean, he could easily be a distraction is my point. Mm-hmm. But he understands. But I think he knows the game year. as well. I understand. It's a he, big he year for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you can still be a distraction. And bottom line is, if you produce, you're probably going to be okay. Correct. So as long as he produces during the year, I, I just I, again, I don't know, man. He is a he is a misunderstood guy. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I, I like hearing that from Josh Allen. I mean, Josh Allen, his teammates have his back. It appears to be at least some of them. Yeah. Um, and th- that's a good sign. Uh, thought on uh, Leonard Fournette, it looks like on the line. Steven's hanging around. Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. And then we'll get to a little bit more on Calais Campbell. I just asked a question out there. What's up, Steven? Hey, not too much. How about you guys? Hey, we're good, man. Uh, yeah, my opinion on Leonard Fournette and everybody, I don't think they noticed last year how much he matured from what he was when he first started. I mean, I can remember two instances last year, like the Denver game, 
when they started going after Cam Robinson those last few minutes to cause a penalty, and after they made the kick, Leonard came out there and started yelling at Cam Robinson, saying, you almost cost us the game. You've got to think better about that. And then the Jets game, where Poole got in his face and started clapping in his face, and he didn't flinch. Two years ago, he would have laid Poole out. Yeah, hey, Steve. That shows how much he improved. Yeah, Stephen, great point, man. I, I kind of forgot about those instances, too, in fairness to Leonard. Those I were, forgot about the, the Cam Robinson. The Denver man. one was a great – I was there for that, man. Yeah. That was a great moment for Leonard. I mean, again, that was kind of what we were seeing. Yeah. It felt like you saw a maturation with Leonard Fournette in, in that sense. So, again – well, it's, you know, who knows, right? Who knows? Uh, he, but I'm just saying this for a guy who's been un- criticized, for a guy who was going to be traded, all this stuff, I think he's handled it pretty well, at least publicly. We don't know yeah. what's going on behind closed doors. We don't know. He's handled it pretty well. Yeah. And, and listen, very well. I think that Jackson Jaguars would, would be blind to the fact that if they didn't recognize that Leonard Fournette made strides last year in his maturity and his on the field presence. I mean, they would absolutely be blind and naive if they didn't see that. Where the trade talk can come from, though, a little bit, I feel like, is the fact that the, the writing's on the wall for Leonard Fournette next year for the Jacksonville Jaguars. He's not going to be here. So I think from Jacksonville's perspective, they're thinking, well, he's not going to be here. Can we at least get, try to get something for him? But the problem is that when you do things like that, you essentially throw away the season. Like, we don't talk about Brent. I think we brought up on the show before. You know, when they got rid of Calais Campbell, A.J. Boye, Oof. Are they tanking, man? They're throwing the towel in? I think the deciding factor for you, if I remember you saying and I agreed with you, the deciding factor, if they would have traded away Leonard Fournette, I, I would have been all aboard the, the tanking train. Because then you trade away Leonard Fournette for whatever it was, a third-round pick, a fourth-round pick, a fifth-round pick, that goes to show you right there because of how big um, of an influence he was to that offense. If you trade him away, then you're definitely tanking. But the, the, the fact that he's still here, it gives you intrigue. Now, don't get it twisted. I understand it's Gardner Minshew's team going forward and everything like that. But Gardner Minshew's success is also going to stem from Leonard Fournette being able to run the ball. Yeah, and, and I think they are moving away from a Leonard Fournette focus on offense. But that doesn't mean they're moving away from Leonard Fournette. Yeah. I mean, he still can be very productive for them. That's a big difference mm-hmm. uh, right there. Okay, so we teased this segment, uh, and, and we talked about it right at the end of the segment prior. But I want to get into it a little bit more. I mean, it is crystal clear now. You thought anyway, but it's crystal clear now the Jaguars wish they didn't trade Calais Campbell. I mean, they're happy for Calais. He's in Baltimore and he's got a chance. We're all happy for Calais. He got a chance to win a Super Bowl. You can't say that here in Jacksonville. Uh, I don't care. Listen, I own the damn club, Sunshine and Rainbows. But we don't talk (laughs) about Super Bowls and club membership in 2020. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay? Yeah. yeah. So it's it's good for Calais. He's in a good spot. Yeah. Yeah. but now with Gunther out, with their with the the nature of their defensive line, um, shoot, some people thought this anyway. Yeah, you included. Yeah, uh, it's crystal clear. I mean, they they it, it wasn't worth saving fifteen million dollars. It wasn't worth a fifth round pick. I mean, they would you'd feel a heck of a lot better. Yeah, if you had Calais Campbell, and and I guess in hindsight, you probably wouldn't have brought Gunther in. Correct. Well, and listen, and I was at, I told you how important I think Gunter was. 
All right, and it, it absolutely sucks, and it, I'm heartbroken from the fact that you know he's having these issues. I think it's a nice gesture by the Jaguars saying, "Hey, you know what? Let's bring him back as, a, as some kind of coach or some kind of um, ambassador, or whatever it's going to be." But he's going to be on that football team yeah, in some what capacity. A nice gesture for a guy who's never put on the uniform. Yeah, but he's going to be on that team, hopefully, in some capacity, which is a, it's a great gesture. So that's awesome. But I was very adamant about what I thought Gunter brought, not only for some experience, but also on the field. Now we look at this depth chart, Brent. And we look at this defensive line. Yeah, Timmy Jernigan coming in. But keep in mind, he hasn't spent a lot of time on the Jacksonville Jaguars. To me right now, you ever see the movie, the, uh, Remember the Titans? Yes, you I have. You know that scene where I Rev... I love when I can answer yes hey. to that question. So, do you know that scene where Rev gets hurt and they need a new quarterback and uh, Denzel Washington goes to the sunshine and goes, Hey, when I was young, I had to step up, right? I had... Ten brothers, sisters, whatever, and they're depending on me. I had to be the guy going forward. And they send Sunshine out there, and Sunshine does a great job. It's Josh Allen now. That's essentially Josh Allen. Josh Allen is Sunshine because there's really nobody left. Yeah, you have Avery Jones, who'll be on the field, you know, maybe 30% of the time, 25% of the time. But besides that, you need Josh Allen to be the man now. You, you, you're requiring a second-year guy still trying to gather his bearings in the NFL to be the go-to guy now on that defensive line in that locker room. I feel a pregame story. Good. Remember yeah. the Titans and Josh Allen. I yeah. like it. We'll be back. <laughs> 5 o'clock hour coming up. A little NBA talk next on ESPN 690. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.